Good morning, everyone, church family and friends. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ here on this uh, Palm Sunday. I trust that you and your family are well, and I want you to know that you are in my thoughts and prayers always, and we will prevail and we will get through this. You know, my mind here recently has been thinking about the last things the last things, the last days of the life of Christ. What is it about last words that oftentimes speak to us? Uh, sometimes the last words that are shared by folks can be very profound. Other times those last words can be very petty. I think, for example, about that person known as Karl Marx, who died on March the 14th of 1883. And it is said that one of the house aides came to his room and they said, Karl, is there anything at all that you want to share? Do you have any last words to convey? And he said, get out of here. Last words are for fools. I think of the prime minister, the former prime minister of Great Britain, who on his last day reportedly said, I'm bored with it all. Or maybe those last words of P.T. Barnum, and I'm sure you're familiar with his story, the musical that has really been in our world, The Greatest Showman, reportedly on the last day before he took his last breath, he said, what were today's receipts? Now, you would think, that in a moment where people were leaving this world, that uh, they would give something uh, memorable. They would share something that would be vital, even and most especially words of love to their family and to their friends. But just consider how revealing that the words are, how powerful and potent the words of our Lord are in those last hours of his life, hanging there on a cross for those six hours, teetering between life and death, one foot here in this earth and one foot there in heaven. And as he's laying uh, or hanging there on that cross on those six hours, he speaks to us seven words or seven phrases. And I find them so compelling. Now, I know this is Palm Sunday, and our minds have been thinking about Jesus entering into that Jerusalem town there. It's well uh, presented there in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 21 and how the people were just overjoyed shouting Hosanna and waving the palm branches. But I want us to peek into the future of this Holy Week into Good Friday for just a moment and to think about what Jesus has done for each of us. I wonder how many of these last words that you can remember. First of all, we know that he prays for his executioners, for he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then he says to the thief that is also being executed that day beside him, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. We know then in the gospel of John that he looks at his mother and he said, woman, behold your son. And then likewise at John the beloved. 
And he says, look, behold, your mother. In other words, Mary, mom, from this day forward, John will be like a son unto you. We also see the lament here from the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Another simple phrase that Jesus uttered as he is in agony on the cross was the words, I thirst. And then the prayer that Jesus offers there, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And finally, those final words, it is finished. I want us to take a look just a moment here at three of these phrases as we look at these words that Christ shared as he's there hanging on the cross that day I want us to ponder three of these phrases that are addressed to God three prayers if you will from the cross that Jesus prays the first one here as I've just mentioned here is that phrase father forgive them for they know not what they do now, I have to believe that when Jesus, Jesus utters this prayer, time is standing still. I mean, this is an incredible moment, one of the greatest moments of history, one of the highest mountain peaks of all of the Bible. It's a picture of unconditional love. It is surely a portrait of amazing grace, and it's the measuring stick by which we gauge our forgiveness you know, if you ever wonder, should I forgive someone? I mean, if that question ever visits your mind, should I forgive this person who has harmed me or has done wrong to me? We should remember this moment where Jesus there as he's being spit upon, as the thorns are being forced into his brow, as the spear is going into his side, as he's being offered a sour drink, sour wine even when he's thirsty his clothing has been ripped from him and he has been mocked and tortured he says father forgive them for they know not what they do i think of all kinds of stories of forgiveness i think of the incredible story in the book of genesis for example where joseph the beloved son is tossed out by his brothers uh, jealousy evidently had taken root, and they sold him into slavery. Like a piece of garbage, they tossed him to the side, and they went on with their lives, really without any kind of second thought. And here Joseph descends into slavery and finally into prison. But it's not long after that because of his leadership that he is raised up, no doubt, by God into that position there in the palace and it's really because of his wisdom that he saves the known land at that time with food and the story goes as his brothers enter in seeking this food and they must have wilted as they saw joseph in that position knowing they had tossed him aside years before and yet, what does Joseph do? But he gives them food, and he forgives them. We think of stories in our day, like the police officer there years ago in New York, who Stephen McDonald uh, was shot by an assailant, and he was left as a quadriplegic. 
And yet that officer in his heart corresponded with his assailant for years and extended him forgiveness. We think even this week of the good physician that was out there in Minnesota scurrying about trying to get from hospital to home and she was pulled over by a highway patrolman and when he learned of who she was and what she was doing he forgave her not giving her a ticket but handing her a handful of those precious masks amazing stories indeed and I believe we can trace it all the way back here to Good Friday this holy week where Jesus said father forgive them for they know not what they do there's a second prayer here that I want to call your attention to that Jesus here says on the cross and he says my God my God why hast thou forsaken me now I know a lot of Christian people who would just assume this text not be in the Bible a lot of believers I know wish this wasn't in there but it sounds so unlike Christ and yet here it is what are we to make of this I want to say a closer look at this verse that we find here in the Gospel of Matthew really reveals something incredibly precious to us now through the years there have been a variety of interpretations of this verse and uh, scholars and believers trying to wrap their minds around what Jesus was saying and I believe as we dive into this a little further we find a great blessing first of all one of the interpretations through the years is that Jesus is quoting Psalm 22 to affirm that he is indeed the Messiah foretold by the Old Testament Psalm 22 here is well known to the people of that time those who would have been surrounding the cross, those who would have been passing by, those in Jerusalem in that day would have been well acquainted with the words here of Psalm 22. And it's amazing how this psalm, written hundreds of years before Good Friday, is so amazingly precise with the events that unfold on that day. Listen to these words here in Psalm 22. For it says here, I am scorned by men and despised. All who seek me mock at me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. And I am poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. A company of evildoers surround me. And they have pierced my hands and feet. And they divide my garments among them. And for my robe they cast lots. And at the end of this psalm, it bursts forth suddenly in praise. It turns from tragedy into great triumph, for it says, All the ends of the earth shall remember this and turn to the Lord, and future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to people yet unborn. Isn't that amazing? What an accurate description of the crucifixion here hundreds of years before it even happens. And so it may well be that Jesus here was recalling this psalm and saying to the people that I am he, I am the Messiah. A second interpretation that some have offered is that simply Jesus here is in anguish and he's quoting scripture, namely Psalm 22. I remember reading a scholar one time that said he didn't think that was hardly possible that a person in pain could actually quote scripture at a time like that. But my thought is that scholar must have not been a pastor or maybe was not very 
devout in his Christian life. For I know, and I know a lot of believers, that when they go through pain, when they go through trials and things, even like this pandemic, we remember Scripture. I can't tell you the number of times I've walked into a hospital room and I've heard someone praying the Lord's Prayer or quoting Psalm 23 or reading from the Beatitudes time and time again. I have been in situations that have been difficult and have been problematic and scriptures come to mind. And one interpretation is that Jesus is doing that very thing, speaking God's word. You know, it's also interesting to note that in every prayer we have that Jesus prayed, he always called God Father, except here on this occasion. And maybe it's because he is praying someone else's prayer. But there's a third interpretation of this text that I think that garners our attention. And the interpretation of this haunting verse for some people is that the prayer here came at the precise moment where Jesus took on the sins of the world. Now stop and think about that. The very moment when he became the sacrificial lamb was the moment he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That is the moment that some feel that when he who knew no sin took on our sin, he bore our sin. And we could make a good case, I believe, for that interpretation as well, because biblically, sin does separate us from God. And the Bible does say it's by his stripes we are healed. This is yet another amazing prayer from the cross, I believe, that really speaks to hearts today, especially in this holy week and in this season of pain and anguish. But there is yet another prayer, finally, that Jesus shared. And it was simply that, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Now, this was perhaps not the first time that Jesus had prayed this prayer. Because this was a prayer that was really prevalent in that first century. And in fact, he had probably prayed it hundreds of times as a child because this was the bedtime prayer for the children in that first century. This is the first century version of now I lay me down to sleep that we're all familiar with. Father, I'm about to go to sleep. And so into your hands I commend you my life. I'm going to sleep now, and I know that you're going to be there to watch over me. This is a prayer of total trust. It's a prayer of complete confidence. It's a prayer of full assurance. And it was a prayer that Jesus prayed there on the cross just before he breathed his last. It's a prayer I want to submit to you that you and I can pray and it has the power to turn the agony of Good Friday into the ecstasy of Easter. It can change, uh, change a tragedy into a great triumph. God, I want you to know, has the power to heal. The power in victory over the grave. God has the word of resurrection and hope. And he took this cross, the emblem of such suffering and shame, and he turned it into a greatest symbol of 
victory that this world has ever known. And we can pray that prayer because the gospel hymn writer put it this way, we know not what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. I wonder today if you would receive Christ into your life. I wonder today if you would receive that ultimate healing. I remember the story of the man that was going through some difficult times in life, and he went to this holy man in the village, this rabbi of sorts, and he gave him a list of all the elements and problems that he was experiencing. And the good rabbi said, uh, said, well, do you want to really be cured? And the man said, well, of course. I mean, why else? He said, what I have come to you. And the rabbi said, well, uh, most come not to be cured. That's just too painful. Most come only for relief. I wonder today if you, in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of all the problems, in the middle of the great concerns and the burdens that are polluting your mind and weighing your hearts down, if you would really come before Jesus today, not just for relief, but for that ultimate cure, that healing by the great physician. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we thank you as we stand here on the brink of this holy week. Our minds quickly race back through history and we read your word and we stand in awe at the way you entered into Jerusalem and then the events, the trials, the torture and this execution that takes place absolutely is so crushing. And we thank you, Lord, that even in the midst of it all, you showed us how to live. You taught us about forgiveness. You give us hope as we look at these prayers from the cross, as you remind us how you bore our sins, as you showed us how to be faithful, and as you let us know that we can be ultimately cured, and we could only find it in you, the great physician. Speak your words today of truth and hope to all of your people. And those that are here, oh God, joining us on this virtual church, we pray, oh God, that your spirit would work in their hearts and lives. And if there's those there today that are there joining us who have never said yes to you, that this would be the day that they would claim you as Savior and seek your face and find that ultimate healing. For we pray this in the name of Jesus, the risen Christ. Amen.